Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to All Music Radio Podcasting. We are more than music, but also information that impacts daily living. Live from Washington, D.C., your host Mike Fortune coming to you with another conspiracy and true crime episode. Georgia Grand Jury indicates indictments are on the way and the list is not short. On all, what does this mean? Here we go. I think you can figure it out for yourself. Here we go from the Associated Press and the New York Times, the four women in the special grand jury investigating Donald Trump's potential election interference in 2020 has given an on-the-record interview to both news organizations, telling the Times the jury recommended multiple indictments. It's not a short list, she's quoted as saying. Asked whether Donald Trump was one of them, she responded, you're not going to be shocked. It's not rocket science. And adding, you won't be too surprised. Joining me now is MSNBC legal analyst Lisa Rubin. Um, you know, not to, to you know guess at what she's talking about there, but it's not so veiled. It's not, Katie. And she told the Associated Press this morning that she had been instructed, as had the other grand jurors, about what they could and could not say by Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney. I wonder right now if, in reading the New York Times report, Judge McBurney believes that Emily Kors overstepped. She certainly was careful this morning with the Associated Press, talking about sketches she made of various witnesses, who was funny, who was unhappy to be there, who might have invoked privilege. But in telling the Times that the grand jury indeed recommended indictments and that it wouldn't be rocket science to guess who they recommended indictments against, I wonder whether she overstepped that line today. Um, she also tells the Times that they started in the grand jury with that call that Donald Trump made to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, where he asked Raffensperger to find the votes he needed to win that state, 11,780 votes. And here's what she told the Times. We definitely started with the first phone call, the call to Secretary Raffensperger that was so publicized. I will tell you that if the judge releases the recommendations... It's not going to be some giant plot twist. You probably have a fair idea of what may be on there. I'm trying very hard to say that delicately. It seems to only underscore what I asked you at the top, which is that it doesn't seem like it's so veiled. 
No, it doesn't seem like it's so veiled at all. But also, I think what Ms. Kors might be getting at is how far reaching this investigation was and what acts or conduct might be at issue in the grand jury's recommendations. We know from the outset that when Fonnie Willis started her investigation and asked for a special grand jury to be appointed, one of the things she was most interested in from the very outset was that call. The investigation then expanded to include things like Lindsey Graham's call to Secretary of State Raffensperger in mid-November, and then expanded to include things like the fake electors scheme and Georgia's involvement in that, as well as accusations about the voting machines and whether or not they had been penetrated or hacked or somehow involved in the fraud. We know that the grand jury didn't buy those allegations. They say, and the now unredacted portions of the report, there was no widespread fraud that could have overturned the results of the election. But I think she's also basically saying the things you understand to be the central points of this investigation, those are indeed where we focused our energies. You know, they also said that they believe that some of the witnesses were lying to them. That was also in what was released by that judge. And it brings me to another thing that she told The Times Um, actually the Associated Press, and there was a little bit of color about how the lawyers in the room dealt with some of the witnesses' refusal to answer. And she said when witnesses refused to answer almost every question, the lawyers would engage in what Coors came to think of as a show and tell. The lawyers would show video of the person appearing on television or testifying before the U.S. House Committee that investigated the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol, periodically asking the witnesses to confirm certain things. Then the scratching of pens on paper could be heard as jurors tallied how many times the person invoked the Fifth Amendment. That's an interesting um, strategy to go at somebody who's refusing to answer. It's a very interesting strategy and a telling one. One of the ways that you might be able to tell whether someone is lying is obviously if you can contrast that with scenarios in which they told the truth. That doesn't mean someone is lying when they invoke the Fifth Amendment per se, but in order for a special grand jury to say, we believe that people lied to us, it means that they were also confronted with other evidence, Katie, that would allow them to deduce what the truth actually is. And that is as important as their finding that they believe that people lied to them is that the investigators and lawyers from the district attorney's office likely presented them with countervailing evidence to show what that truth was, where people either clammed up or told a very different version of the story. Also, at least one person who resisted answering questions became much more forthcoming and cooperative when prosecutors offered him immunity in front of the jurors. I know a number of people went in with immunity, but it appears at least one person got immunity while they were in that room. She says it's a him. Um, Is there any risk with the four women coming out and and speaking on the record like this? You know, Katie, if this were an ordinary grand jury, I think there would be that risk. But remember also, this is a special grand jury. And as a special grand jury, it really deviates from some of the functions that grand jury would ordinarily serve in a criminal case. This grand jury does not have the power to indict. Its power is solely to investigate and then make recommendations to the district attorney. That doesn't mean that people who might find themselves the subject of indictments won't complain bitterly about the fact that Emily Coors gave as much color as she did to the AP and the New York Times. It's just to say that as someone who didn't have the power to indict, she's a little bit removed 
from what is actually going to happen in Fonnie Willis's case. And it remains to be seen whether that will be grounds for an actually legitimate complaint about this process. And one of the questions I always have is how do you find people who can be impartial in one of these settings? How do you find jurors who are not aware of what is going on out there? And uh, she says she didn't vote in 2020. She did not know the specifics of Trump's allegations of widespread election fraud or his efforts to reverse the election. When prosecutors played the then president's phone call with Brad Raffensperger, which we talked about so much and I can recite almost by heart, she says that was the first day she had ever heard it. The first time she had ever heard it was when it was played for the jurors um, on their first day uh, to consider evidence. Really remarkable stuff. Not everybody is paying such close attention. Uh, Lisa Rubin, thank you very much for joining us and helping us understand this really uh, illuminating interview from um, Emily Kors of the Grand Jury Investigation in Georgia. All right, All Music Radio Podcast. Like, oh, oh, Donnie's going to get it. On all music radio podcasts, your host Mike Forge coming to you live from Washington, D.C. Be a hero, not a zero. Wear your mask, get the vaccine, baby. Save you and somebody else. It's the American thing to do. We wrote a book called Racism, White Privilege in America, developed on Amazon. Pick a copy today. We'll be glad you did. Thank you for the 200,000 people who listened to our podcast last year in 2022. Looking for another 200,000 in 2023. Thank you. We appreciate that. Our radio station at www.rmusicradio.org. Hit the listen button 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And baby, it's on demand for both music and podcasts. Look, have a great day. Love, peace, joy, and happiness from all music radio podcasting. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. See the latest designs from your favorite brands, including Brizo, at your local Ferguson showroom.